And now the Exit Coach Radio Show proudly presents the All-Star Review, a compilation of one-minute highlights from past guests. Hear more one-minute highlights and full interviews from these guests at ExitCoachRadio.com. When you're preparing for sale, what are some of the key areas you should focus on? Here's John Murphy and David Horwich. Corporate governance and financing, your financial statements, those are really key issues to get buttoned down. If your corporate governance records aren't in good shape, you're going to wind up having problems down the road. And if your financial records aren't in good shape, it'll kill the deal faster than anything. Yeah, you mentioned this credibility in the numbers. It's hard to gain it back. The other thing is, what's the growth story? What are you really selling? In fact, most of our clients want to double or triple in revenue and sell down the road. They're not, they don't want to sell in the immediate future. So what's the growth story? What's the real business opportunity that the company has and helping define and articulate that and then execute on a particular strategy? That's the really important thing. And sometimes, as you know, the more good people you surround yourself with, the more trusted advisors you have that are solid, really smart people, the better off you're going to be. And that goes for managers as well. Okay, so you're ready to start your exit plan. We asked for three quick tips from Stacy McKibben. Get your number. What is it that you're retiring to or that you're working towards? Understand what that is. That'll help your team to be able to help you to work backwards from that. So know that number and be prepared. Two is look around at your team. Core values of a company are exuded and exemplified by their team. More often than not, the challenges that I see in profitability are due to the fact of lack of productivity by the team. Lastly is run your business like you drive your car. You look at your car with a dashboard, you would get in a car and you would make sure that you had enough gas, that there was no check engine light on. All of those same things apply in your business. Do you have a clear dashboard? Do you understand how to read it? You don't need to be an accountant, but you do need to understand what the numbers are and that is the health rating of a business. Some people say that opportunities are always knocking, you just have to listen. Here's Mark Jaffe. We've always been told that I can work with everything, but if the macroeconomic variables are not in your favor, then I'm not interested in trying to take on risks that I can't control. And consequently, CEOs who face macroeconomic variables feel they need to huddle down and get into a defensive position and completely change their mode of operation. I don't believe that. I believe that there are opportunities in every economic condition, and that in fact, during times of transition in an economic condition, there are chasms of opportunity that are always there you just need to know where to look for them. And that's what I found in the recession, that many companies that were willing to look for those chasms of, of opportunities and were willing to position themselves to take advantage of them actually grew while the remainder of their industry shrunk. One of the downsides to being a business owner is you have to pledge personal assets sometimes for business loans. What are some of the alternatives out there today? We asked expert Peter Myers. The answer to obtaining a good secondary source of repayment that banks and regulators are comfortable with actually goes right back to our government in the form of guaranteed loan programs. So they're available at the federal level in the form of Small Business Administration loans, or SBA as they're called, and also at the state level here in California via the California Small Business Guaranteed Loan Program or the California Capital Access Lending Fund. These programs will provide guarantees to banks of up to 80% of the amount lent to the borrowers, thereby giving the banks and their regulators a comfort level in extending credit.
If you're going to grow your business, you've got to grow your sales. Here's Brad Leggett. One of the key things we work with is performance management. How do you set targets? How do you get a sales team to perform? Because in about roughly half the companies we go into, there aren't formal sales targets in place. And that can be very demotivational to a sales team because they don't know where they're expected to perform to. You often have a very frustrated CEO or head of sales that says, well, the team's not doing well, but they haven't articulated what their target is. And our approach is you work with the sales team to set targets. I mean, the first piece of advice I've got is get a sales target that's written down and put it in front of everybody. That's step one. Okay. At least have that. But it's much better to set targets with the sales team's involvement. So sit down and you don't want to walk into this meeting with a salesperson without some idea of the sales target. You'll have an idea of where it should be. Let's talk about where we think we can get to this year and what our target is. What are some of the factors that go into evaluating a business at any given time? We asked valuation expert Christopher Mercer. It's one thing to say that uh, your value is worth what a willing buyer and a willing seller will pay, but that same willing buyer and same willing seller won't pay the same thing in 2008 as they will in 2014, because in 2008, the world was full of uncertainty that uh, caused financing to dry up, and it was enormously difficult to sell. Some of your listeners that are listening to this need to think about the fact that they need to be thinking of an orderly transition of management and ownership because when bad things happen to your company, you lose all flexibility in terms of ownership and management transition. So take care of those things now while you can. At ExitCoachRadio.com, we're interviewing over 100 top advisors to get you one-minute tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new content daily at 6 a.m. and 1 p.m. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Apparently, one of the common strategies last year was to delay your health insurance renewal so that you could put off your price increase that might happen under the Affordable Care Act. However, some employers are finding out that there's actually a cost reduction. Here's employee benefits expert Chuck Kiskaden with his tips. Some employers got renewed early, and when they renewed early, they kept their old plans, their old products, and their old pricing. However, it's very possible that if they had did switch to some of the newer plans, they could move to a plan that would offer almost the same services and be less expensive. I had one group that was going to stay under the old pricing mechanism. They went to the new one and found out they would leave from an age-rated product, go into the mid-market, and save about 20%. Every employer has to get a second opinion about staying where they're at or should they look at some new options. What are some of the biggest challenges facing family businesses in their management transition? We asked Transition Consulting Group's David and Paul Karofsky for their thoughts regarding this topic. As the baby boomers are coming of age and getting a little bit older, as the next generation is starting to get a little bit older and come into that leadership position, this transfer of not only monetary wealth, we're talking about the businesses, the assets, whatever it might be, there needs to be a plan to transfer that seamlessly. To my dad's point, the more planning you do and you talk about it as to what that transition of ownership looks like, what is that transition of leadership, those two are, are not the same. They can be they can be similar in tie, but they can be mutually exclusive as well. But until you really have a plan as to how you transfer that business from one generation to the next, it's very difficult to do it. 
What should you be aware of as trustee of a 401k or profit sharing plan? Here's Buck Blanton. Make sure you understand in the fiduciary arena what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. Be very careful that you understand and are aware of your role and your responsibilities as a plan fiduciary. And understand, as you mentioned earlier, Bill, that the fiduciary breaches that happen in the plan can affect you personally. And I can imagine a person who's gone through an exit strategy and has now put a great plan together for some kind of succession to find out next year that they were going to be audited and that they may have a fiduciary breach that could come in and be the average fine last year was $600,000. So to find out that your plan might be upset by that process, you might need to look into outsourcing this type of situation to what I call a prudent expert. When a parent passes away, sometimes dealing with mom or dad's effects can be challenging. Here's senior real estate expert Allison Whitaker. There's different levels of sorting through things. And so we work with organizers and professional inventory, people, estate sale planners. Basically, they come in and they will help you sort. Is this a donation pile? Is this a for sale pile? Are these items things that we need to send off to our auction house in London to get appraised and actually auction off? There's different auction houses as well, not just Sotheby's. If it's sports memorabilia, you know, that we would recommend recommend using. There's also that element of, is it a good time to sell the house when it comes to taxes? Taxes are a whole nother conversation and a lot of times people think, well, the market's up, we should just sell the house, but there could be some tax ramifications depending upon the way the estate has been set up that maybe it's better to rent it out for a couple years. To hear more tips from over 150 advisors, visit ExitCoachRadio.com.